0: Well, good morning, Hickory Ridge. I am so humbled and blessed to be here today and to give this message on the book of Philemon. Welcome to those joining online as well. What a great uh, worship service this morning. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to be free to worship. Two Hebrew words, halal, meaning praise, and yah, meaning God being free to dance, free to shout, and free to praise Him. As it says in Psalms 150, just read that. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Where will we be without Jesus? This is not the message. It's just a freebie to get us started this morning. (laughs) So let me give you a brief background of those whom I have not met My name is Bob Long, and my wife is Gail. We have two daughters, a son-in-law, five grandchildren that live two hours away back in Maryland. So as you can imagine, we spend a lot of time going back and forth over the Bay Bridge. In fact, I think they even have a lane for us now. (laughs) We moved to Heritage Shores in Bridgeville um, three years ago from Mount Airy, Maryland so that we could downsize our home in retirement, but really, in reality, so I could live on the golf course. (laughs) (laughs) I worked in uh, sales and management, uh, responsible for both stores and sales reps for the Sherman williams Paint Company for about 36 years and retired uh, in 2016. My job as a district manager included recruiting, interviewing, hiring, training, motivating, promoting, expansion, budgeting, marketing, profit and loss, merchandising, account development, territory management of both uh, reps and stores, customer relations, and anything else that I just don't care to remember anymore. (laughs) Leadership and motivation was certainly a necessity. Most of my career was spent in Baltimore, Washington, northern Virginia. And so, as you can imagine, I am so happy to be off of that Capitol Beltway and that metropolitan area, living and relaxing on the eastern shore in LSD. No, not on drugs. For those who don't know, it means lower, slower Delaware. Not sure who named it, but it sure seems to fit. Well, at least as what I'm used to anyway. So, we are in a one-series uh, chapter, or we are in a series on one-chapter books in the Bible. There are five of them. So let's get started with today's message after a word of prayer. Please stand with me as we pray. Father, we just stand before you. We open our our hearts to receive your word, give us spiritual ears to see, or spiritual eyes to see and ears to hear. Come Holy Spirit, fill this room with your presence, let the name of Jesus be exalted as we study your word together, amen and amen, you may be seated. Well for those of you that aren't in the men's Bible study on Saturday morning at Rudy's Diner, hint. I like to give a title to the messages of uh, what I study in the Bible. So today I believe this one is a good one. It's called Set Free. So as we begin, I know some of you may be wondering, who is Philemon? Where is it located in the Bible? Anyone with me? Anyone know that book well? Well, his name is not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. So for those of you that have your Bibles, or use the Bible app on your phones, we're going to the New Testament, past 1 and 2 Timothy, past the book of Titus, and just before Hebrews. There you will find the shortest epistle, or letter, of the Apostle Paul. How short is it, you ask? Well, I'm glad you did. It's so short, it takes all of two and a half minutes to read. Or about the same amount of time it takes for me to eat my breakfast. <laughs> it's only 25 verses, so, or 335 words, and I know what you're thinking. Now how and what is he going to stand up here for the next 30 minutes and talk about? Hmm, Well, I'm a pretty simple person, if you get to know me. I'm passionate about basically three things. Jesus, sports, golf in particular, and eating. Yes, some of you know me pretty well already. I briefly talked about the Bible. I've mentioned eating, so what's left? Let's take a look at this slide. Think about what you see. Alright, you can take it down. It's a picture of a golf hole. Imagine that. It's a par three. And for those of you who don't know anything about golf, it should take you three shots or less to get it in the hole. At first glance, it looks easy enough. Right? Or is it? Let's put that back up again. It's actually an elevated green with plenty of slope from right to left. In fact, it's pretty much downhill if you're on the left side of the green. There's trouble short and right with a pond that comes into play if you miss hit it, which I have, <laughs> or if the T's are back and the flag is on the right. There are three bunkers in the front, as you can see, so short is no good. There are two bunkers in the back, so long is no good. There is more to hold six than. And it requires a bit of study prior to playing it. What's the wind doing? Where is the flag located? If I hit it on top, will it run down the slope? As you can probably hear from all this, I'm a fairly competitive person. <laughs> Haven't played sports my entire life from age eight to eighteen, football, baseball, and basketball year round. As I got older, you know you slow down, played a lot of softball. And then I moved on to coaching my daughter's teams, as well. When I retired, I took up that frustrating game called golf, which I love to play. Sports and competition are in my blood, although I've toned it down a little bit in my senior years. The next slide. Oh, Uh, How'd that get in here? (laughs) This is typically what I look like after playing the hole it typically wins more often than not. You know, somehow it just destroys my entire round. However, on one day I did get revenge. It is the hole that I hit my only hole in one in two years ago. So, so at first glance, hole six is not that difficult. But after taking some more time to observe and study, it should help anyone who plays to achieve better results. So, yes, If you don't, you don't just tee up the ball and swing the club. It's not that easy. It's like anything else you want to be good at. You need to prepare. You need to practice. And you need to take some time to process what you're doing. What's my point? Well, here it is. Concerning the Bible, reading or glancing through it is okay, but it will only yield you very little success. Now, studying the Word with the insight of the Holy Spirit is much, much better. Prepare, practice, process. The same applies toward the book of Philemon. It's a short read, but taking the time to eat the words, to fill your stomach with it, it will taste sweet as honey, as it says in Jeremiah 15, 16. Or in the NIV, it says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. Is that you? You know, when you get saved, you're told to uh, read your Bible, attend church. But I really haven't seen too many people teach you on the best way to study the Word. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I was just a slow learner. Early on, don't worry about what you know or what you don't know. Uh, just make sure that you get connected in a good Bible study group. You'll find it beneficial, and you'll be able to learn the Word cleaning off of others. Just do it. We all have to start from the same place in the beginning. No, not in Genesis, but in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is a good place to start, The gospel. According to John. When reading scripture, place yourself in the story. Ask yourself, what was the culture like? Where was it located? For me, I need to see maps of the geography. I need to be able to put it into context. What was happening before and what happened after? Have I seen or read this anywhere else in the Bible? A couple more important things to consider. Who is the audience? Who is being spoken to, believers or unbelievers? How can I apply this today, and what is the Holy Spirit telling me through the Scripture? Therefore, pay attention to the details and ask, what is it there for? That's how I study the Word, and I hope that would be helpful to you as well. Most of this process I've learned from my wife from all of her years of doing precept Bible studies, hour after hour after hour. Think it's a lot? You're correct. It'll take time and commitment, but it's worth it. I love it, and I continue to do it, and want to know more and more each and every day, and I hope you do as well. So the next slide. What was their culture? What is the context? Pay attention to the details. They all mean something. And who is the audience in the story? Believers or unbelievers? The Apostle Paul is the writer of 13 books in the New Testament, and most of them you know well. So what is this letter to Philemon all about, and why is it so important? What can we learn from it today? Here we go. Pardon me. As we read later on in the book of Acts, Paul was falsely accused and arrested in Jerusalem some 25 years after the crucifixion of Christ. Here comes another false accusation by the Jews. What does Paul say? He tells them straight up, Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And they wanted to kill him for it. Then Paul is taken to Caesarea. He appears before the governor, Felix. Felix was pretty much ineffective, so he was recalled back to Rome and replaced by Festus. After sitting around for about two years, Festus tries to persuade Paul to go back to Jerusalem to face his accusers again. But Paul, being from Tarsus, appeals to Caesar exercising his right as a Roman citizen, since that's where he was born. He is then brought to Rome in approximately 58 AD and spends another two years under house arrest until 60 AD. Others say it was 60 to 62 AD. Nevertheless, during this time, Paul makes good use of his downtime by writing four of these epistles. Colossians, Philemon, Ephesians, And Philippians. He writes this brief letter to Philemon about the runaway slave Onesimus and he addresses it to the Church of Colossae. This book, as you may suspect, is much more than a story about a runaway. Another interesting side note is the introduction to this letter versus all the other letters written by Paul. Most of the other letters he describes himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus or as in a servant of Christ Jesus. In a couple, he speaks directly to the church. This is the only one he describes himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So what does Paul mean? Is he bound by Rome? By Nero? By the law of Caesar? No, not at all. Paul was not afraid of being held captive, because it was a regular thing for him after all. Paul was stating that he was bound by Jesus to serve him and obey his commands. As it says in Acts 23, 11, the Lord tells him to take courage as you have testified in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Paul knew what the Lord required of him and he was ready to minister regardless of the cost. It had been revealed to him by Jesus and he was going to see it through. For the simple fact, heaven would be his eternity. Paul had come to the place that he knew to die was to gain, as he stated in Philippians 1.21. This is the same vision or calling we all have to spread the gospel. Don't be afraid to share your testimony about what the Lord has done in your life. As for me, and perhaps you as well, We were at one time a prisoner to something, especially to the flesh, until we met our savior. Regardless of one's argument, you're either one or the other, walking in light or living in darkness. There's no gray area, there's no middle ground. And I'll share a little bit more about this later on in the message. So let's take a look at the first seven verses of this chapter. So Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. To Aphia, our sister. To Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church that meets in your home. Verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Verse 6. I pray that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And in verse 7. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Paul's greeting and opening statements are powerful, and we'll take a closer look at these in a a few minutes. We all know that biblical names have meanings. Philemon's name means affectionate or loving. Our second character, Onesimus, his name means helpful, profitable, or beneficial. Let's see if they both live up to these names in the end. Have you ever looked up your name to see what it means? I have. It's very interesting. My given name is Robert. Any other Roberts in the house? There you go. Hang on there, Robert. It means bright fame. Wow, you talking about me. (laughs) The name can be interpreted as a combination of two Hebrew words. Rosh, meaning head, and birth, meaning covenant. Therefore, Robert can be seen as a symbol of leadership and commitment to God's covenant. None of this fully began to manifest itself in my life until I surrendered to the Lord. If I were to name a few of the giftings of the Lord, one that would be at the top is leadership, as you've heard earlier from my career. Now for my wife, Gail, her name means joy and strength of the Lord. She has always been the rock in our marriage. Her strength in Jesus is undeniable. And what has been and continues to be a strong foundation in our home. Thank you, Lord, for my wife. Why do I mention this? Well, even after 42 years of marriage, sometimes we look at each other and wonder how in the world we were ever joined together. Anyone ever been there? Total opposites. In fact, I'm left-handed and she's right-handed. Try and do something together. (laughs) Just doesn't work out so well. However, in the spiritual, it makes perfect sense. Combining our gifting, we can serve the Lord in the capacity he has called us. Strength and leadership. Philemon was a wealthy man, a dear friend of Paul, and a fellow worker. He had the local church meeting in his home. He was known for his faith and his love for others. Although it doesn't say Althea is his wife, it's implied, and Archippus is their son. Notice the words Paul used throughout this letter to describe people. Brother, son, dear friend, prisoner, fellow worker, sister, fellow soldier, fellow prisoner, and partner. You will see the common thread that Paul has used throughout this message and to the church, and to Philemon as well, is unity. Let's take a look at the next slide. We all have a role to play in the ministry. It's not up to the pastors alone to handle on their own. It includes all of us, using the gifts the talents that the Lord has given us working together as a community. Amen? It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts and though its parts are many, they form one body. Here's here's another slide that we should look at. This was verse six. So you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Active, so that it is powerful and effective. What is? The sharing of your faith. Being led by the Holy Spirit in what to say and when. See, when you read his promises and study his word, then you will respond in love and by faith. To have a full understanding, it's comprehension to be wise, able to assess a situation, analyze it, and discern. Discernment is so important in the growth of a believer. It's our spiritual guidance. As we mature, we continually acknowledge that every good thing comes from above. Our riches are in Christ and our resources are in the Holy Spirit. Having knowledge or understanding is having experience. Paul wanted everyone to have a deeper and more intimate relationship with Christ, not just Philemon, but the church as well. It is a challenge for all of us to pursue the Lord and know him more and more each and every day. To know his love, that he has for us Ephesians 3 8 to me though I am the very least of all the Saints this grace given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ what is Paul describing here the Greek translation is boundless riches or in other words there is no limit to the riches of Christ think about that for a little while. Everything we have and will receive is because of Jesus. Give him the praise and the glory. Amen. So over the next 14 verses, Paul makes uh, his plea not only for the return of Onesimus, but that he would be received back as a brother. So let's take a look at verses 8 through 14. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who has become my son while I was in chains. Verse 11. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me a while. I am in chains for the gospel, but I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Amen. Amen. The next slide, here we have a map of the area and Paul was uh, leaving Caesarea. He takes this journey by sea to island after island, place after place as it's recorded in Acts 27 and 28. He goes through shipwreck, he goes through storms, he finally makes his way to Rome. Now Onesimus, he was from a little town called Colossae, just below Laodicea, and he uh, runs off, he escapes. And how he travels to Rome, it's not very clear, whether it was by land or by sea. But one thing is clear, it's about 1,300 miles. How did he know? How did he pay for his travels? How did he know how to get there? Well, that's where the assumption comes from that he stole from Philemon. He had to pay for his travels somehow. At the very least, his escape from Philemon, uh, again, would be stealing since he was his property. How would he have known the route? There was no GPS back then. There was probably not a very clear path marked. You know, with GPS, uh, maps have become a lost art. You know, I still like to look at a map and get, get a lay of the land. Um, now, with GPS, we just plug in the address. We follow that voice like a rat after cheese until we get to our destination. What does GPS stand for, anyway? Anyone know? Okay. Well, I think I, uh, I have a new acronym that I think you might like. If I'm gonna ask for directions, I'm gonna ask my GPS, God's perfect son. I think he'll know the way much faster and better. So let's review what we know so far. Paul's at that stage of life, you know, old. Or as we call here at Hickory Ridge, seasoned saint. (laughs) He's in Rome under house arrest. Onesimus has taken off and he's ran across Asia or somehow shows up in Rome and if that's not enough he runs into Paul the friend of his owner. Did Onesimus remember Paul or was it a God thing directing him to the place he was not escaping to but the place he was destined to be all along. Philemon was a convert of Paul in his ministry, perhaps in Ephesus, doesn't really say. Philemon most likely had been robbed and his servant is missing. Onesimus was evidently useless in the past. Wow, you ever been given that label to wear? I have. Construction was the family business. Drywall, metal studs, commercial buildings, It just was something that I did not have the talent or the interest in at all. In fact, I hated getting my hands dirty, and I still do. (laughs) Uh, I knew right away that my calling was much more of a white collar and a tie, using my brain versus uh, wearing a t-shirt and using my hands. So my family initially thought of me as mostly useless when it came to construction. Boy, do I laugh now. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And the last point that we know something has drastically changed with Onesimus. Next slide. No longer a slave, but better than a slave, a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man, as a brother in the Lord. Very cool. Paul went from useless to useful. Onesimus. Think about Paul's life, though. He's seen this movie before. He was Saul. He hated the Christians, those followers of the way. He dedicated his life early on to persecute them. He believed he was doing the right thing as a Pharisee until his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. In fact... Paul in Philippians describes his life as pretty much useless as well until he met Jesus. In fact, he's counted it all as rubbish. In other words, we'll use rubbish for today. He goes on to impact so many lives in such a powerful way. Paul planted churches. In his spare time, he worked as a tent maker to earn his wage. And he was also a mentor to Timothy. Timothy. And he goes on, Timothy goes on to become such a close associate of Paul. Now he's taken an interest in helping Onesimus see the light as well. Paul may have been small in stature, but he was powerful. The next slide. What has taken place? A divine encounter in Onesimus' life. In fact, it's a transformation. It is radical and it's dramatic. Next slide. God takes your old nature of sin and replaces it with his character, God conscious. It's miraculous. Born again, how do I know? Well, it's the reason I chose to speak about this particular book of the Bible. I too had a life-changing transformation. I could finally see the light, as it says in the book of Acts. Paul comes to the place where he regains his sight, from living in darkness to the place of seeing. I was 32 years old. Just started to attend a church by the name of Grace of God. Pretty good name. (laughs) The next thing I know, I was sitting there minding my own business, listening to a guest speaker wrap up his sermon when I heard him say, You. Who, me? Come up here. I have a word for you. Wow. No place to run. No place to hide. I've been called out by God. I went forward, and the things that this man spoke over me through the Holy Spirit were miraculous. Life-changing. How did he know? He certainly wasn't from around there. He was a guest speaker. He was from out of town. The things that he spoke over my life, only God knew. I said yes to Jesus. What a radical change. No longer a slave to the world and all of its deception, but better than a slave, a slave to the gospel. What changed? Like Onesimus, like everyone who says yes to Jesus, being born again is radical. Yes, radical. You are no longer the same. It's a complete change of direction. You were lost, and now you've been found. I put childish things away, selfish things, ungodly things. I went home and emptied the bar and set out the beer and the liquor with the trash. In hindsight, I probably shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Should have poured it down the drain. (laughs) Poor trash man. (laughs) I had my mouth cleansed, no longer choosing to use profanity. I had my mind renewed. I stopped lying. I stopped cheating. I stopped stealing. The anger I felt toward others was being removed. My entire character changed. I now had integrity, morals. Why? Because of His grace, He gave me a new heart. People ask me over and over again, what happened to you? And I was happy to share my story, sin nature replaced with the character of God, born again. Trust me, test after test will come your direction. Will you remain faithful? Will you trust him? Will you revert back to that place you left? I never looked back. I guess it was because of that story I read in the Old Testament. You know that one, the one about Lot's wife. Yeah, I didn't care to look back. And perhaps it was about, you know, again, the story the pastor just spoke on Obadiah. That wicked, ungodly people of Edom and the wrath of God that would come down upon them. Now 31 years later, without any of the things from my past and not missing any of them, I have all I need in Jesus. Amen? Amen. And now prayerfully like Onesimus, I have become a dear brother as well. The purpose of Paul's letter, asking Philemon to accept Onesimus back and to reconcile with him. His bold request was not only to forgive him from running away, but to free him for the work of the ministry. To forgive his debt and to treat him as his own brother. And if that's not enough, prepare a guest room for me. I'm coming to visit. Well, five things. I think Paul knew Philemon pretty well, huh? All throughout this brief letter, you can see the very nature and character of Jesus. The story is filled with so many references and directly related to his very nature. Love, grace, and forgiveness. Onesimus was running away from being a useless slave, feeling condemned and not knowing where he was going. And he was finally at the place where God could use him. You know, when you finally admit it, God, I can't do this life anymore without you. It's hard. I have to give up control and let Jesus take the wheel. After all, he's a much better driver than we are. And he does know the way. He goes on to serve in the ministry. How do you know? Colossians 4.9. In Paul's letter, he says, Onesimus is coming to you, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. What a great story of reconciliation and restoration. God restores and reconciles all of us to him. We are all prisoners until Jesus sets us free. We are to have continued fellowship united in Christ to share the life of Christ as partners. Paul says in verse 17, if you consider me a partner, and the Greek word used here is koinonia, which means to have in common or to share. What a good lesson that is for the church today. Until you come to Christ, you are constantly searching for something missing within you. What is it? Well, it's obvious to us as believers, but not so much to someone living in darkness. Here's a truth that I've read and the world needs to hear. Why they look everywhere, try everything, believe whatever Siri says, or whatever they read on Google, they are looking for someone to do it for them. But in reality, it's only found in one place, Jesus. You need to come face to face and say, help me, Lord. This next slide. Spiritual change produces social change. You want to see our communities, our families, our nation, turn around and set free? Share the good news. Teach people to call on the name of Jesus. For those of us who pray for revival, that it would be a fire that starts to burn so hot that it affects those even above our pay grade. Those who can influence others, those who thought that they were satisfied with life now suddenly want something more. Pray for those in our government, those leaders of the nations, and all of those in authority. America and the world needs another great awakening. Amen? Amen. Once we come to Christ, there is no turning back. We are to mature in the Word and grow in partnership with other believers. And what was that Greek word we just learned? Koenia. Just checking to see if everybody's still (laughs) awake. I know it's getting close to lunchtime, and you know how I like to eat. (laughs) Knowing him is better than anything the world can offer you. I've tried both ways, and it's no comparison. As the song says, just give me Jesus. As the worship team makes their way forward, I have just a few more points that I'd like to share before I close. Philemon and Onesimus were on opposite ends of the uh, horizontal spectrum of life. Philemon, he was a wealthy owner. Onesimus was struggling to survive. And then Paul comes along and stands in the gap between the two of them and shares the character of God with them bringing restoration to those believers that were formerly separated. Only with Christ's example of forgiveness through the cross are we able to overcome our pain, our hurt, our shortcomings, and be reconciled in Jesus and become useful to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Does Philemon forgive Onesimus? It appears so. His faithfulness to the Lord and love for his brothers is evident as Onesimus goes on to become helpful and beneficial and a dear brother serving others. Throughout the Bible, we see examples of of men and women interceding and standing firm, answering the call. Nehemiah returns to build the walls. How about Esther? To save her people from certain death, she approaches King Xerxes. How about Barnabas? He believed that Paul was truly converted and vouched for him. He pursues him and gets him to come to Antioch to minister to the people. And I love the story of Caleb and Joshua. Unlike the other spies, they gave a good report. They wanted to possess the land and destroy the enemy. Caleb was 85 years old and still young in the spirit. These are the kind of people you like to hang out with. Positive, fun-loving, glass-half-full types. Those who have faith and say yes to their calling. Who is standing in the gap for us today? Will you be used? Will you pray for and deliver God's message for those in your sphere of influence? People are hurting. People are confused. They're looking in all the wrong places. Will we as a church point them in the right direction? We need to be ready and willing to stand in the gap, just as these examples of these others were just mentioned. Revival is coming. This next slide. Jesus is standing at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. He's calling us to him. He makes intercession on our behalf. Why? In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, as it says in Ephesians 1-7, there is power in the blood of Jesus to forgive you from all your sins. And then this last clip. He died, he rose again, and is waiting for you to respond. He says in 2 Corinthians 6.18, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. Are we sons and daughters? Are we still slaves? That is the question for us to ponder this morning. If you never experienced this opportunity to turn your life around, today is the day of salvation. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for opening my eyes to see your great love toward me. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Let me acknowledge your great name and come running to you. Now, with every head bowed and all eyes closed, if you would like to invite Jesus into your life, simply just raise your hand and say yes. Don't hold back. It will be the best decision you've ever made. I've been there. Don't let the enemy whisper in your ear. Jesus is alive and real, and he's the only way to live a victorious life. There may be some here today that even though their chains have been broken, that they remain enslaved at times and need to be totally set free from guilt, shame, and condemnation. Others are carrying burdens alone or and they're just too afraid to ask for help. Stop running from the one who can help you. Now is your appointed time. Jesus is standing at the gap for you today. You want to be set free to become useful, a dear brother or sister in the Lord? Come now. We'll have ministry teams up front that can pray for you, pray with you. Don't hold back.